0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at
2: chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: So, Richard, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. Um, sport commentator. You've done football, basketball. Uh, now you're on uh, golf. I guess you're busy with the Ryder Cup now.
1: Kind of. Yeah, I wish I was busier with the Ryder Cup. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was saying to someone the other day, I was out with my friends last night, we had a a bit of a birthday bash in in town, Um, and maybe that's why my voice is a little bit dodgy this morning. Um, And as I said, it's like uh, playing every round of the FA Cup and then getting dropped for the final. So unfortunately, I'm not in (laughs) Whistling Straits of America for the Ryder Cup, but I will be watching and uh, paying a lot of attention, yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, So just for the listeners that maybe don't quite know what a, a commentator does on a kind of day-to-day basis what does a sort of a, a normal working week with a sport event look like for for Richard Kaufman?
1: well I'm just off the back of doing 11 weeks in a row without a day off um, I've not been as busy the last week or so so I'm always ahead of the game so when I say I'm not very busy I mean I've got uh, I'm commentating on an Eredivisie match on Saturday. Uh, I've got to do a TV show on Monday talking about the Ryder Cup. Tuesday, I'm commentating on the Champions League match, Paris Saint-Germain uh, at Man City. Uh, but for me, that's a it's a quiet week because if I'm at a golf tournament, I'm on air for five to six, seven hours a day. Uh, and it's a constant flow. You're traveling, you're getting to an event, you're looking at the golf course, you're talking to players, and then you're on air. You finish Sunday night, you might go home, depends where it is, or you're off to the next place. You travel, look at the golf course, talk to the players. And all that time, I'm always preparing two or three weeks ahead if I can, uh, so that I'm always a step ahead of the game. And I do probably more research than is warranted or needed that I like to be when I'm on air that I know that I don't want to know that I know everything I possibly can know about whatever's coming up um and then I'm totally relaxed most of the stuff that I research I'll never get to use but um it's just that that safety blanket of knowing it's there and that when you're in air you're relaxed you're enjoying it and you're sucking in the atmosphere of something that I assume if people are watching it is really important to them so it should be important to me as well
2: absolutely I, I i've been complaining about having to do three La Liga matches in the last week um so yeah your your workload seems um yeah very very exciting but but yeah a lot so um we've been talking about how different sports different teams uh putting out kind of these documentaries whether it's feature-length documentaries like the new schumacher one on netflix or kind of ongoing series like Formula One's Drive to Survive or um, you know those kind of it seems like everyone now has some kind of documentary whether it's an individual team PSG or, and Sunderland have got their own documentary series or, or if it's the sport in general like the Formula One uh, documentary so where do you think that that move from sports in recent years to push kind of it's not non-sporting content, but it's kind of like extracurricular content. You know, it's not the event. It's not the competition itself. Uh, what, what do you think could have driven that move from the side of the, the sports organizers and the rights holders?
1: Well, I think it's quite clear. Let's, t- let's take uh, the Premier League. Now, you're in Spain. I'm in England. Uh, I often work for a company called uh, IMG, and I do some of the broadcasting for the Premier League that goes everywhere. Outside of the UK, uh, the sporting rights within the UK are sold for so much money, and it's just the same outside. So, if I'm doing a golf event and I've been in uh, Thailand, for example, in Liverpool playing Manchester United, and the kickoff there, say it's a four o'clock kickoff in the UK, that's normally 11 o'clock midnight in, in Bangkok, and I've been there, and at that time, the bars are packed. And I mean, Rampacked, like you cannot get a seat in the bar with all the big screens on the sports bars. I mean, it's not just one bar either, it's multiple. So whether it's La Liga, whether it's the Premier League, and I say I'm commentating this weekend on an easy match, and that'll be on some channel somewhere. The thirst for live sports, huge. Now, as I've mentioned, companies are paying a lot of money for these rights. So it makes sense for other companies who cannot get those sports rights as of now to have sporting content that they know is going to sell and is going to be attractive to potential subscribers. So for Netflix, they haven't yet got any, as far as I'm aware, live sporting rights. Amazon have just started to do live sporting rights, for example, with tennis. Um, It is a way of getting a foothold in, and drawing in that potential audience, which I would think maybe a couple of steps down the line might then bring in for, for live sport as well. So it's about producing sporting content that would attract subscribers and maybe have them hooked in for when they have live sporting rights, because you know, ultimately I would think there is a thirst amongst those big companies that we've mentioned that are showing these you know, fantastic documentaries, uh, great content, but ultimately I would think Most sports fans, as much as they love watching documentaries, want to watch the action. So it's all great watching a behind the scenes story about like Tottenham. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of, there's a lot of banter going on around in one of my WhatsApp groups. It was called All or Nothing with Tottenham because it always normally ended up in nothing. Um, But ultimately, you want to watch Tottenham playing at the weekend in the North London Derby as opposed to watching All or Nothing. It's a nice little sideshow, but it's not you know, the real thing.
2: Yeah. And I guess it's something during the off season, you know, I think that's possibly why the formula one series has been so successful as well. You know, there's really defined off seasons for uh, these sports. Yeah. I think the formula one one's probably possibly a bit longer than the, the football one. Um, but it's something for fans to kind of keep enjoying the sport whilst there's no sport happening almost.
1: Yeah, you're right. Um, it's interesting because I'm, uh, you know, most of my work, and not all of it, but most of my work's in golf, and there there really isn't much of an off-season. Uh, the PGA Tour season finished at the end of September, and the new season started a, a week later. <laughs> now we're in the Ryder Cup. The European Tour season will carry on until kind of the middle of December, and then it starts again in January. So there isn't an off-season, but you're right. In most other sports, whether it's NBA or the, you know, The baseball and Formula One, even ish in football, but in football you have the international, the Euros, the World Cup. There is that off season, and there is you know a window to put this kind of content in. Interestingly, there is a deal that's been signed by the PGA Tour with the company that did Drive to Survive for the Formula One. So I think they're going to be filming that next year. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how that pans out, because I think it's fair to say the PGA Tour are generally, and I'm sure F1 have have had this label at them as well, but but they're, they're very controlling, control freaks. You know, if a player has done something controversial, you don't normally hear about it. It kind of gets pushed to the sidelines. So having their product exposed to someone, I assume Netflix wouldn't sign a deal like this unless they had full control. It's kind of it'd be interesting to see how that dynamic pans out, but in terms of having that in a window where there's a, a an off season, I think they're going to struggle because there really isn't one in golf.
2: Yeah, that's quite an interesting um, thought actually about getting to see that kind of behind the scenes stuff that you might not otherwise see because these rights holders have such a firm grip. You know, whether it's La Liga or or Dorna with MotoGP or, or you know Formula One or or PGA Tour, they have a really tight grip on their image and what their athletes can can kind of do. Uh, so is that maybe something that attracts fans further? Do you think that they get this kind of other side that you might not otherwise see?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, we started off by asking me, you know, what they've been doing, and I said I had eleven weeks without a day off. I, I mean, I love sporting documentaries. Um, often, if I'm doing long haul flights, I'll either watch a box set or a film. You know, I've watched the Alley film, the Senna film. I love it, but I haven't watched any of these all or nothing. Like none it. of the been none of the top them. I've not watched Drive to Survive. I've not watched anything because I don't. I haven't had the time to sit down with a box set and just watch it. Because for me, I've got five kids. I'm, a, I'm away from home normally half the year, to uh, so to so sit down and you know thoroughly watch something. Unless I'm on an aeroplane, is 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 very rare. Unless it's live sport, um, but. Can't remember what the question was now.
2: <laughs> it was just uh, the fans getting a chance to see kind of another side to these sports yeah. and to their, their, their favorite stars, I guess.
1: Yeah. So I think that from what I've heard from people that have watched them um, and I'm expecting more of the same from the golf, I don't think it really is for, I'm, I'm sure there is interest and, and, and the formula one geeks, if you want to call them that the petrol heads have watched these series, but I think, most of these series and i'm expecting the same for the pga tour one which i'm sure i will get to watch purely from a obviously a work perspective as well i'm not expecting to learn that much from it i think it is more from sort of the floating fans people that are maybe interested in formula one but don't necessarily watch all the races and it has had a a huge impact on viewing figures. The knock-on effect from Drive to Survive for the viewers who have watched that and now have been sucked in by the stories of watching that to watching the races has been a big impact. And I would think that is part of the thinking behind the PGA Tour to agreeing to this series is that commercially there could be money in it because obviously more eyeballs on your sport means more commercial opportunities, more money, And, uh, yeah, I think it's a a good way of sucking in new fans as opposed to maybe satisfying diehard fans.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I think you've kind of answered all the questions that I had there. Um, So that's, you know, I'm really excited to see what Vox Media and Netflix do with the the PGA Tour series. You know, everyone's got a story. Life is uh, potentially a soap opera. And so there's no reason why our favourite athletes shouldn't get their moment in there, the other side of the spotlight, as it were.
1: Yeah, and I honestly, in golf, you're, as opposed to, you know, because obviously I'm commentating on a football match tomorrow. I mean, you don't generally are able to sort of editorialize when you're commentating on a football match. The action's really fast. It's really furious. You know, you can't really tell the player's story because it's a team event as well when you're watching football. In golf, it's a little different. So you can have that space as a commentator to give a reason why that individual should be more than just another name. So for example, a golfer called Christopher Broberg won at the weekend, and it could be just another Swede winning a, a European tour event, but you do have the space because golf's a little slower in terms of watching that you can say that this is a guy who for the last six years thought he was never gonna play again. He's had three surgeries, his back went, his ankle went, his knee went. He couldn't make a cut. He's basically hasn't made a single penny, really, over the last three or four years. He's finally fit this year. He, you know, was worried even when being fully fit that something wrong was going to happen, that he went out thinking, what's the next injury going to be? And then finally, he won at the weekend. And, you know, the guy couldn't speak in his interview afterwards because he spoke of six years of hell. And you do have that time in golf to tell that story, in the build up and that sucks in people more. I think if, you know, there's a person behind the sports person that you're watching out on the, on the golf course around the field, but you don't actually generally get that time in football Uh formula one, obviously is a quick sport as well. So you don't get to that time either. So yeah, I yeah, do think I, I, worked well, in
2: MotoG- I worked in MotoGP and I think, yeah, it's quick, obviously that, you know, the race is, is, whatever 40 minutes and well it's a bit longer in formula one and it's fast but in the kind of over the weekend you do get a bit more opportunity to talk about yeah. individuals it's it's not like you've got to deal with 22 players like in a in a football match you know it's so you, you do get a chance to kind of explain that drama a little bit more
1: that's normally around the live so that's in the build-up as opposed to actually while sure. the action on i mean for example the rider cup it'll that's coming up over the next few days that'll be Boom, 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 it'll be quick and fast. You know, and obviously most of the players that are in that, most people know who they are and know most of their stories. But uh yeah, I just feel like golf is a really good sport for allowing and tennis in some respects as well, for for knowing a little bit more of those stories, which do come out in these documentary series. You get to, you know, look behind, you know, everyone thinks it's all glamorous, and it can be quite glamorous being a you know sports person um you know we put them up on a pedestal but they're they're all like me and you really they're all got their insecurities frailties fears hopes expectations and they've all got as you say a a story to tell everyone thinks their own story is quite boring but to other people who are especially fans of that sport they want to know and and there's a thirst for it which is why these these documentaries do so well
2: yeah i think you get that emotional investment in in sort of following that one, that one player athlete as well. Hey Richard, uh, thank you very much for coming on and speaking with us about this. Pleasure. And, um, we're really grateful. And uh, yeah, I think that kind of wraps things up. You've answered everything that I had kind of noted down. So, so that's
1: oh, great.
0: Good. Sports Social Podcast Network